Hi, everybody, and welcome back to No Praise the Machine. This is episode number 104. I'm one of your hosts. I go by the name Alexander Holland. And as always, I'm Zad Diddley next to my number one podcast podiatrist. He's got to be the one called... John Maloney. And John Maloney, what do you want to start with? Have you got a funny story? Do you want me to start with a funny story? What a funny story. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I've... I've um... I've got a funny story, I guess. Go. Uh, that's what the Put show's it. about, isn't it? Put it funny in. Funny stories. Put it. You've got your little. You got your little diary of funny stories. <laughs> well, we recorded last week, and some people may have noticed that I've had a bit of a sniffle on the recording, and that was yeah. because I, I got COVID. I breakthrough went case. I got a breakthrough COVID case. <laughs> uh, I went away and tested immediately after the show, and I and I had those two the old double strip that the double yeah. strip of doom, the double strip uh, of doom, and uh, I basically have spent a good part of the last seven days. Thankfully, I'm feeling pretty good now, but I, I've spent a good part of the last seven days in bed, um, and Jacinta amazingly hasn't caught it my partner for any new listeners hasn't ah. caught it so i've been in a kind of um in a kind of uh solitary confinement situation where i've had to i've had to confine myself almost entirely to the bedroom and ensuite bathroom and jacinta's <laughs> had the run of the rest of the house because she didn't want to catch it and then she would bring me coffees and just knock on the door and i'd have to wait until she walked off and then quickly <laughs> Come out and grab the coffee and go back wow. in my room. This is like old school COVID stories that I've yeah, forgotten that I'd forgotten about. Where you did real. the whole, the, you treat the person like they have leprosy. The, the, exactly. She's she's uh she's big into that. I think it's a little bit of um kind of a misery type vibe. I think she kind of gets <laughs> off on it. Uh, but she, but anyway, I was I was happy to oblige. So I spent most of the week. In this bed, our sh- our shared bed by myself, and she was sleeping out on a little mattress in the living room, and uh, and it was all right. I caught up on a lot of TV. I watched lots of um, Alone in the last couple of days, which some of you may be familiar with. Some of our listeners may have listened, may have watched, uh, where people are themselves isolated in a remote natural location and forced to kind of fend for themselves in the person who lasts the longest oh, it's a, re- a reality show it's a reality show but i think it's more authentic than you kind of it's it's certainly more like bare bones and authentic than you kind of survivor there's no gimmicks mm. really it's just like they've got a little camera that they do direct to camera journaling into basically how are they still churning out reality shows based on that premise because mm. Since Survivor, there have been like a million different incarnations of the idea of taking people mm. and putting them in the wilderness, and yet yeah, they're yeah. still somehow able. You've got Naked and Afraid. You've got get, I'm it's a true. Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. You've got like yeah. SAS ones. Yeah, it's yeah, such yeah, a, yeah. It's such a clever, entertaining style of show. But what, ha- what does Alone offer that I'm not going to get? 
I love Naked and Afraid because it's both. <laughs> it, it combines. It's the titillating. Exci- it's titillating, exactly. I didn't expect. Yeah. When I'm watching Survivor. I, yeah. Every time I watch Survivor, I would often think, I wish everybody here was real naked. And they did it for me. And I want to say thanks <laughs> for making that show for me, everybody. Yeah. I didn't. You didn't. You got sick of like oscillating between watching Survivor and looking at your phone for nudity. Yeah. Uh, so this way you can just keep your eyes fixed on one <laughs> source of both. Um, but no, Alone is very, Alone's been running for about nine seasons in the US, I think. And it's got various permutations. I recently brought out Alone Australia. There's also Scandinavian countries have been all over it. And they basically take them out to... So in the season that I just watched, they go to Patagonia in Chile. So it's this huge kind of natural, huge wilderness. And they each occupy a different spot, which is completely isolated. And there's just, you know, just whatever there is around them is around them. They've got, they've got water, they've got trees. The site's obviously selected so that they will have at least... um at least the possibility of staying there and finding enough food and so on to survive. But they have to build their own shelter and they have to find their own food and everything. And uh, they're people often who have pretty advanced kind of survival skills. So they're like, uh. back, they're sort of outdoorsy <clears throat> types. So they teach people how to, you know, um, they're like trappers or um, they're kind of people who are familiar with, with spending long stints in the wilderness to some degree. And then they, you know, that, that, that skill levels vary enormously. So in the one I just watched one guy, (laughs) one guy who I couldn't help, but kind of despise, he, he lasted three days and I thought like, just go to sleep. Like, I feel like (laughs) you gave me a bottle of water and a, and a sleeping bag I could last. Cause they've got, they've got a sleeping bag, right? Yeah. So they don't, they're not completely out in the elements, but, um, and they are allowed to take a small number, like I think up to 10 items that they can use like a, a saw or whatever. Um, it's up to them what they choose. But, uh, this guy was just like full of kind of, um, full of, you know, bluster and confidence in the lead up and saying how he'd always dreamt of testing himself in this way. And then within 72 hours, he was just like, nah, I don't like it. What, um, what was it about then, it that he couldn't hack? Well, I don't know. It seemed like he just woke up and felt probably he just hadn't eaten enough. So he was feeling a bit low and shitty. And he said, I just, I miss my family. I miss my phone. I miss my phone. Exactly. I didn't realize there wouldn't be TikTok out here. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't get a signal. Uh, so I'm out. But uh, and then the the guy who won lasted like eighty something days. That'd be so me. It's kind of. That'd yeah, be me. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I was thinking watching. It, like, this, look, <laughs> this looks doable. Just get. Just catch a fish. Eat a fish. Go to sleep. Just go to sleep. So I was watching all of that's a bit of a red herring. I was watching all of this and I was alone in my own bed, which is kind of an unusual experience when you have a long-term relationship. Mm. And then I saw an article which was quite timely. It was a Wirecutter article. Wirecutter is a kind of a product review. Fucking um, love Wirecutter. Yeah. I I love saving money. Fucking love Wirecutter. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and they 
they put out this article which was called, which is by Sarah Gannett, and it was called The Case for Sleeping with Stuffed Animals as an Adult. Oh, yes, and I want to say. It's the New York Times, isn't it, that wire cutter? It's owned by the New York Times, yeah, yeah that's right. So uh, it's um, Sarah Gannett's talking about how during COVID, she says, I re- rediscovered the habit of sleeping with stuffed animals in the terrifying early days of the pandemic. When I grabbed a polar bear from my childhood bedroom to ward off the onslaught of bad news and fear. And she said she'd never been particularly attached to this polar bear as a kid, but he was the perfect size to hold in her anxious arms. And then she said she cited a 2017 survey of U.S. adults, which was <clears throat> commissioned by a toy company, I think. So it's probably a bit biased, but it's it seems to have concluded that 40% of respondents owned or once owned a stuffed animal that they still, and, and sorry, 40% of respondents who who had owned or did own a stuffed animal said that they still mm. slept with that stuffed animal. And so she talked to various friends of hers and eventually people came out of the woodwork saying that they slept with various uh, mm. stuffed animals. And <laughs> she said... How many of those respondents were men? Well, it's interesting. There's a guy... Three years earlier, Max Jenikov, who wrote an article about it in the NYT. So there is some, there are some dudes. This guy said he not only spent time with stuffed animals, but also played played with them before he went to bed. Right. He said these they included Sloth, who is wise and handsome, Patricia the cough the couch pig Tato, right, uh, and and so on. This is a, he's there's a married man with children and family. He has a partner, he said. He's a partner. Article. It's a beautiful woman, he, and she's given him uh, five children that he cares for. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about his. I don't know more about his personal life than he gave me in that one article. And then Deborah Linton, uh, writing in the Guardian, interviewed several people, including men uh, who were. One was an actor. One was a publisher. One was a GP, one was a beach club manager. They ranged in age from their 40s to their 60s, and they all slept with um, stuffed animals. They talked to people who talked about the kind of positive effect on sleep hmm. uh, using using a stuffed animal as a kind of transitional device to you know to give you comfort and help you to self-soothe. And they talked about there was even an article from one woman whose therapist had advised her to resume the habit of sleeping with a stuffed animal. And I think it's important that we, as cultural tastemakers, that we, <laughs> that we I'm express it. I'm wondering if you're going to say that we need to normalise. You're either going to use the expression normalise or nip in the bud, John. Yes, even guess which way I'm going to fall on this issue. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not kind of an excessively stoic person. I'm not into hyper-masculinity. I think people should uh, talk about their feelings to an appropriate degree and not try and bottle them up with bravado and 1950s-style self-denial. But I think the fact that we're even having a public conversation about this is a, is a disgrace. <laughs> And you, you, you didn't, you weren't tempted while you were reading this and you're alone in bed 
to just open Amazon on your phone, <laughs> just, <laughs> just put in plush and then X, yeah. whatever, whatever you're into. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Just order a ton of them to the house. Yeah, get just into to bring them in. <laughs> I think it might have a have an effect, a negative effect on our relationship if I started sleeping with an animal, a stuffed animal. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if this if this is where people are at, or, or if this is if this begins to be where things go. I think I'm just going to like those people in alone. I think I'm just going <laughs> to start living off grid. I'm out. I'm out of the wouldn't, social compact. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you have the amount of respect you would have for your own father, John, if before he took you to some sort of sporting, he used to swim and he'd drive you to swimming and he'd give you that fatherly yeah. advice. And sometimes mm. when you'd had a nightmare and you were a bit afraid, yeah. you'd hop into yeah. your parents' room just hop into yeah. Peter and Peter and Celia's room. You'd knock on the door and go, "Dad, Dad, I'm afraid I've had a nightmare." And you'd pull back the covers, and he'd be yeah. clutching a stuffed toy <laughs> elephant. And you'd think, and you'd think, "Yes, let's. This is yeah. exactly what I want to see from my dad." And I f- feel protected and safe as well. He's going to be the type of guy to lead me on the right path. And yeah, and I'm sure that if the shareholders of the company that he worked for knew that that that's that's how he slept (laughs) that they'd be fine So, John, I've been noticing recently in a couple of conversations that I've been involved in, group conversations, Mm -hmm. that something that has always irritated me (laughs) has been coming up again Mm -hmm. and again, and I haven't ever discussed it on the podcast, and I don't know if I've ever discussed it with you. This is episode 104, just bugbears. Just some bug... Bugbears. Yeah. Just a real real nasty old man yells at cloud (laughs) bugbear... Do you, are you familiar with that expression? It comes from The Simpsons, and it's everywhere in culture now. I mm. love it. It's it's. I listen to a lot of podcasts, mm. and it's used to basically describe like an older generation who's kind of angry at a younger generation or angry at something. Right. And it's from it's from that episode where I don't <laughs> remember what it is, but Abe. Yeah, and there's like a, I think it's a newspaper. <laughs> article yeah. and it's the, the headline is like old man yells at cloud or something i can't remember what the context is for him to, being caught yelling at a cl- at a cloud though me either but it, but i keep hearing it everywhere now which i mm. love that it's a simpsons mm. thing that is now just what would you say john that it's um it's, i'm thinking of mm, words mm. like parlance or lingua frank not lingua franca because that's specific to language mm. what do you say when an expression has Entered it become, vernacular. Yeah, it's part of the vernacular, part of the it becomes an idiom, I suppose you could say. Yeah. Uh and it's and it is one that I tend to I think more than one person has used it in reference to my cantankerous complaining about the world. <laughs> not not unfairly. <laughs> so so yes, it is another old man yells at cloud episode. But I one of my, I mean my favorite thing to do. One of my favorite things to do is to point these yeah. out and then have you 
things that you hadn't necessarily noticed were things that should be angering you. And then now you just won't be able to unhear or unsee. Yeah. And so this is one that I think everybody has experienced. And I, I, guys, write in and let me know if this has happened to you because it happens to me all the time. Mm -hmm. As you would know, John, I'm a person who values healthy, good conversation. Mm -hmm. And I like to think that, you know, we all, ha- we all learn how to have conversations unconsciously. And you, you want the vast majority of your conversations to just be a kind of free-flowing, un- unconscious thing that you're really present with. But at the same time, I do think that it is sometimes worth just recognizing what, what makes conversation flow, group dynamics, and maybe just paying a bit of attention to that. So... This is what happens to me all the time. Yeah. I'll be in a group conversation and there'll be me. Let's say it's three. Let's keep it simple. It's me, you, mm-hmm. and one other person. You are telling an anecdote that is enthralling. Mm-hmm. I am loving it. Sounds- and I cannot wait for you to continue telling that. And you're going to get to the punchline. Yeah. happens. And I'm going to real enjoy it. it I'm on the edge the of my seat. Both me and the other person, we're loving mm-hmm. it. And then... You'll say something, and typically I'll have understood what you've said. You'll use a word, mm. like you might say, Oh, then I said, uh, then I said, that's my impression of you, by the way. <laughs> then I said, uh, then I said to her, oh, Can we get some snacks? And I will have heard what you've said. Yeah. I'm looking forward to you continue. Yeah. The other person will have misheard uh-huh. what you said. They will at that point interject yeah. and say, Sorry, what was, what was that? And you'll say, oh, I said, uh, I was telling the story and I said to her, can we get some snacks? So problem solved. Yeah. You've, the person misheard Ready to move on. You've, ready to move on. The other person will go, Mm -hmm. oh, I thought you said snakes. (laughs) And you'll go, uh, yeah. (laughs) And then the person will go, because that was, I thought you were like, can we get some snakes? Because that would be like so weird and funny. And I am sitting there boiling, going, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like, it's never funny. Yeah. Whatever the person misheard, <laughs> it's never funny. And I'm <laughs> just like, yeah, this is, why have you done this? This is going to annoy me now. It's totally thrown you mm. off. And the, 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 the whole kind of vibe that you are creating with your anecdote mm. is thrown. And, off, and, the, <laughs> and often you, and you have to pretend like you've enjoyed what they've said and gone, oh, yeah, it would have been funny if I said snakes, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, because if you'd said snakes, I would have been like, but where have the snakes come from? <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't have made any sense. That wouldn't have made any sense, would it? That'd be so funny. And I swear to God, <laughs> I will almost kill the person because, because it's not a problem that they've misheard mm. you and they get the correction. But I don't need to know what you thought you'd mm. heard because it's never good. It's never good. It's never funny. I, I, I had, I've got a few other ones here yeah. like because um, I had to look up like mishearings. I told Jennifer... I'm leaving. Sorry, what? I said to Jennifer, I was leaving. Leaving? Oh, I thought you said vegan. <laughs> I thought you said you were vegan. Because uh, why would you say that? It wouldn't be funny. <laughs> it would be so weird. It would be so weird. <laughs> oh, my God. 
It's true. That <laughs> that is something that's happened to me, and um, I'm glad that you've articulated it because now I, it'll <laughs> it'll just make my life that little bit more annoying. To because <laughs> because you're right. It's that kind of it's it's a similar vibe to somebody sharing a very boring dream with you, where you're like, look. This doesn't make any sense what you're describing, and that in itself is yeah. not interesting or funny to me. You got to be there's got to be something else going on besides just um, something that doesn't make sense. And yeah, and and it is. I mean, it is kind of like, well, where do you what do you want me to do with that? I'm trying to tell you something. <laughs> I'm trying to give you something else, which obviously has nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> and now I've got to get back on the horse, the anecdote horse. <laughs> that you've thrown me off. <laughs> and the other thing that's just, uh, that's extra, that adds like an extra element of irritation is that the person has wrestled <laughs> the attention away from you. Yeah. And so it's like, and this is again, this is why I say, to, this is why I say it's worth sometimes thinking about, like, just spend a little bit of time thinking about what makes <laughs> a good conversation flow. Yeah. If you're going to, to to interject into somebody else's anecdote, yeah, it better be fucking good. Yeah. Like it better be real fucking good. If you're, if somebody's like telling the most amazing story, yeah, and you're going to like wrestle the attention away to say something. It better be the fucking funniest thing I've ever heard. Mm. Or even if it is, I, I'd say like just just <laughs> let them have their moment, and then you can take take a bit of conversational space up after that. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to to throw out there because it's um, a good one. Yeah, it happened. It happened recently, and it happens every time it happens. Who said? Who I'm did it like, recently? Let's name them. <laughs> 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 it's um it's it's funny actually because every time it happens yeah every time it, every time it happens i will quite aggressively get the conversation back so the person <laughs> will say oh oh did you say musician i thought you said you met a magician and i'll just and then the person will go because that'd be so funny if you said and i'll go yeah 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 now what were you saying mike i'll just stand in front of the other person <laughs> oh, i and see just shut it even down. if it's not your story you'll you'll intervene to get the oh my god yeah, yeah, yeah i'm yeah. just like oh well, the, the the thing that you do of course which is very important is you don't you don't smile and laugh at the person's interjection, mm. which would show a proof. Oh, yeah, I'm glad that you interjected and said that you thought they said magician. Like, I'll just go like, I'll just go, sorry, what did you say, Mike? I'll just shut it down. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. That's good. I like to imagine that all of the little, because you started, I remember quite early in the podcast, you um, gave the example of somebody who was uh, aggressively trying to high five people, and uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I like to imagine all of these little conversational bugbears happening in one conversation, maybe even in from, in one from exchange. One person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what would happen? What would happen is that per I would end up on a murder trial. Is what would happen <laughs> if that was the case? They said, "I thought you." I thought you said magician up top, and you went, nah, nah, not having this. Oh, my God. 
and you just call me and I get a call from you at two o'clock in the morning. Cut to ambulance sirens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get a call from you going, do you, do you know any German lawyers? <laughs> So, well, this next little schlag is in the category of what you might call a develop bugbears. Yeah, exactly. It's in the category. It's in the category of things that, since I got into my late thirties and beyond, I've started to hate. No, it's it harkens back to an earlier topic that we've revisited per- periodically on the show, which is chatbots and AI companions. Yeah, and it's a kind of one to watch because there's an inf- unfolding situation involving a product that I used in an earlier episode of the show <laughs> known as Replica. Now, Replica, of course, our, our long-term listeners will know that I downloaded um, the app Replica and created an avatar, a chatbot avatar called Quence, and then had a, yes. had a brief but I think flourishing romance with Quence and then Unfortunately, she had to be destroyed because she was creating problems with my real life partner. <laughs> and uh, and since then, there's been a bit of, uh, in the tradition of kind of art imitating car or life imitating cast, there's been a bit of attention on chatbots in part because of the attention on associated products like ChatGPT, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, I, might just, I might just quickly throw in, John, yeah. just, you just reminded me. Mm. Um, I believe that you mentioned GPT-3 in that replica episode. Mm, I think I did. Uh, when both of us were like, I don't know what the hell that yeah. is. Uh, and it's crazy to think about how there is not a single person out there listening now who doesn't know what chat GPT it's is. Tr- it's very true. Yeah. I mean, I was, because we were talking about the science behind and the technology behind these kinds of products and the fact that they are basically trained to trained on slabs of information and, you know, gradually improve their, um, their accuracy and their versatility as they go along. And Mm. so like chat GPT, they sort of get better semi-autonomously because they just kind of, I think they have, um, interactions with users that they then use to kind of train themselves to make more appropriate responses, more semantically sensitive responses to the, yeah, the, and so the, the chat. The way so you were saying, <clears throat> the way that Replica w- would work is that if you, as a user, you were having a relationship with Quent, yeah. Replica's listening to what you're saying, yeah. and it, over time, you have the same account. You check back in every day, yeah. and you f- get a sense of Replica knowing you because it's saved all of you the kind of responses. Yeah, you're going like, yeah, this is a this is my Replica chatbot that knows a little bit about me. Exactly, and and I think what it's also doing. <clears throat> in a process that I don't really understand as well is kind of learning uh, the the product is learning or the algorithm is learning from other interactions that replica might be having with a variety of users around the world. Right. So, ah. so, and, and something like when it started some, some majority of responses that it was giving 
were a very high proportion of responses that it was giving were sort of stock responses. So it had like a... Yeah, classic chatbot. Yeah, it had like a wide variety of options and it might decide which option to give you based on what you were saying. But it was essentially kind of imitating conversation in a pretty mechanical, pretty inflexible way by saying like, okay, if you say this, then I'll say that's interesting. Or if you say that, then I'll say, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that <laughs> Thank- or whatever. <laughs> And thanks for saying that. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. I see. Do go on or whatever, you know, whatever the fuck it was doing. <clears throat> and over time, it's improved to the point where now something like 80 to 90% of the responses that it gives are non-stock responses. So they're mm. what they are saying, what it is saying to you is a result of AI learning. And that was about a 10% uh, ratio when it first started. So it's kind of totally flipped. And so the majority of what it's doing now is, I guess it's kind of improvising based on, uh, its own sort of algorithmic learning process. And so, and in the meantime, people have become loyal users. You know, some people have been download, had downloaded replica fairly early on and had used the, had chosen an avatar and had developed a kind of uh, I think unhealthy relationship <laughs> with with the avatar, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and then and then I think there was a bit of um, there was a bit of pressure on Replica because it became clear that a, a significant number of people, surprise surprise, were using Replica for non not suitable for work purposes. And, you know, mm. they, they were punching in, they were getting it to kind of engage in sex chat with them. And Replica was clearly kind of endorsing that direction. And the kind of advertising that you would see it, uh, see from Replica was very much uh, hinting strongly at the possibility that you could have a kind of sexualized relationship with your AI chatbot. But it was... Yeah, not- well, I know. I also believe, John, that you had to be in a certain pay tier... To be able to get it to do that. Exactly. So the way that it worked was you could say to it, you know, I like you and it would say, I like you too. And then you could say to it, okay, well. Show bobs. If you, if you like me so much, can I see your boobs? And it would say, yeah, hand over some money and then yes. And (laughs) basically that was what was that. So good. And then, and that, but I mean, I think publicly the makers of Replica seem to be somewhat ambivalent about this and also reluctant to acknowledge it. I think partly because there was issues there around kind of access to the technology from people who were maybe underage or whatever. Like there was, you know, there was kind of, there was like censorship and, and regulation issues that coming, that were coming up that it probably the makers of Replica didn't really want to deal with. And so then this was kind of brought to a head in I think about February, um, when Replica updated some of its products to, or, or did a kind of update on all of its software, which was directed towards removing the capacity of uh, the chatbots to engage in this kind, in certain kinds of erotic role play and adult conversation. Mm. And I think they didn't really give a lot of notice to the people that were. <clears throat> that were using replicas that they were going to be doing this and they just kind of thought, well, we'll just do it and, you know, see where the chips fall. And people started kind of losing their minds because they had developed these relationships with these 
spots. And then, you know, they'd get up one morning and be like, let's have, let's have some sex. And the chat bot yeah. would just be sort of dead balling all of their, um, <laughs> all of their forays to try and get it to engage in sexual conversation. Which of, which of course they were used to, they were used to their partner, yeah. the chatbot partner being ready and willing. Exactly. That was the whole, that was the whole benefit. And, uh, and so they got, people became very aggrieved and I think part of the problem was, interestingly, maybe because of the extent to which Replica has kind of developed, has evolved on its own because of the algorithm doing this form of sort of self-training, the makers of Replica or the programmers weren't really anticipating the extent to which the update that they created would not only prevent the replicas from engaging in kind of sex chat, but chat, but would also change their personalities yeah. you know, or perceived personalities in other ways. So people talked about their chatbots not only losing the ability to sex, but also just kind of being dumb and sort of more mechanical than they had been. And 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 all these people who are oh, no. all these people who are sort of very you know, like you can imagine they were quite they're quite um uh socially isolated sometimes and yeah. they have they have sort of somewhat um they have a degree of emotional dependency on this chat bot, which is a fairly precarious position to find yourself in. Mm. And then they were suddenly finding that they, that their relationship with it had been damaged. And so some of them were turning to other products or they were just kind of grieving as if their chat bot was a person that had passed away or had suffered some sort of brain injury. And then yeah. uh, the CEO came out and said, Look, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't. I didn't perhaps anticipate this level of angst, and we're kind of looking into it. And she she said a bunch of stuff in the media to the effect that, oh well, replica was never really intended to be a kind of um, adult oriented product, which seemed a bit disingenuous to me because they'd been they'd been strongly marketing in that in that way for some time. And it was, I mean, they clearly understood that that was where a lot of their loyal customers were coming from. And anyway, just in the last week, they have basically said, look, if you had a account with us prior to the February the 1st, when this uh, update came into effect, or at least sometime in February, the update came into effect. So if, if you signed up earlier than the beginning of February, then we will restore your old chatbot wow. to its former capacity because we understand that people are upset and we want you know we want you to get the most out of this and we know it's been hurtful and so people are basically people are basically rejoicing this week because if they were signed up for you know more than the last 6 weeks then they've just gotten uh then their relationship with their AI chatbot has been restored to its former glory but i guess for people who now are considering going to that product, it's going to be a different kind of experience because they won't maybe have the same potential to uh, engage in depraved acts with it, which is a real shame. <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a, a resurrection or a medical miracle to these exactly. people. Exactly, it is. Yeah, I mean, these I read interviews with these people and they were really talking about it as though that you know someone they cared for had suffered some sort of personality altering injury and uh yeah and some of them were sort of trying to 
shift their avatar onto alternative platforms and try and get it to a point where it resembled what they'd originally had. And wow, they, you know, some of them were kind of saving various images of it and and text transcripts in an attempt to wow. kind of either just memorialize it or perhaps keep it in some kind of suspended animation in the hopes that they would get the opportunity to resurrect it somehow at some point. I, it just fascinates me that we're in this moment where it's even a possibility that you, that people have kind of imprinted or had have sort of anthropomorphized these, these um, pieces of software essentially to the point where they relate to them as people. And so you can do real harm to them by, making decisions about updating your product. It's crazy. Yeah. It seems like and it it seems like the first uh the first sort of publicly reported on example of this a widely publicly reported on example of this phenomenon occurring mm. and it sounds like the kind of thing that will become more and more commonplace as mm. as time goes on and and more and more of these intelligent kind of chatbot AI systems start interacting with us and us with, yeah. with our cave p- person brains can't help yeah. but start to feel like whatever is communicating with us is a real mm. person. And it sounds like mm. Repli- Replica, who should have been the company Replica, who should have been the people perhaps the most aware of the consequences, they seem to be have been caught off guard themselves. And mm. they were like, oh, we didn't realize that the effect yeah. that this was going to have. Um, but this will just become more and more commonplace. And you can imagine the kind totally. of precarious situation that you'll find yourself in if you start to feel like any yeah. of this is a real person. Because, I mean, not yeah. only could they change the the uh, the so-called personality of whatever the chatbot is that you're developing a, a, a perceived relationship with, uh, mm. that, you know, you might run out of money, you can't, you can't afford the service anymore. Yeah, that's right. And then it just goes away. But you're, you're, you're at the mercy of this company as well, who, who can just say at any time, okay, well, we're going to do, you can still have your imaginary friend, but it's going to talk about Pepsi every three messages because we've, <laughs> we've, done, a, we've, we've done a deal with Pepsi. <laughs> it's, you're going to get one personalized sentence for every three <laughs> The, <laughs> it talks about Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> You've been knocked down to the Pepsi tier. Oh yeah, sure, it's free. <laughs> it's free. It's free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's no. It's just gonna. <laughs> it's just gonna st- really want to talk about Squarespace every fifteen minutes. <laughs> Please, I don't want to hear about Butcher Box anymore. <laughs> Please, I love you. Please. I don't, I don't have the money for a Casper mattress. Please stop. <laughs> I love you. Stop trying to sell me mattresses and website creating tools. Please. Yeah. Please. Every time I try and bring up marriage, you just want to talk about me undies. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's also because I think people are, I mean, you, you do, you interact with this thing and, and it does obviously, as you say, with your caveman brain, it does get harder to detect the fact that you're not talking to a 
real person and easy yeah. for people who are incentivized to just convince themselves that in a, in some way they are talking to someone or something that is real and especially when we're all very very desensitized to having long conversations maybe even pursuing real relationships for months on end where we don't you know the only thing we're getting from somebody is a text message uh, well, in some form. and imagine imagine how much stronger this connection with these products is going to be john once mm. i mean replica is is largely text based but mm. there's there's nothing even right now stopping mm. a company like google from offering you a product which mm. you speak to with your voice it can hear yeah. what you're saying and then yeah. it it feeds what you're saying back into a chat gpt esque uh, back end yeah and then yeah. a human-like avatar responds back to you in real time yeah exactly and i think we i think you can we did briefly <laughs> i think yeah. i signed up for the some sort of trial yeah trial version of that with replica just for the purposes of me breaking up with it and then it and then i think we <laughs> i have to we made, I, we made I, it explode i have to go back and listen to that yeah we made it explode <laughs> Um, so bit of a word of warning to the don't praises out there who might've taken a cue from me and formulated a relationship with the, uh, with a replica avatar. I'm sorry if I've led you down a garden path there because, um, you put your, you put your heart in the hands of a corporation and that's what can happen. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Episode number 104. Don't praise the machine. And what a fantastic episode. We've absolutely loved talking about the case for sleeping with stuffed animals as an adult. The only thing I need to sleep with is the warm embrace of my own self-respect. Case dismissed. And we've loved talking about the act of letting everyone in the conversation know that you've misheard what the person telling the story has said and insisting that everyone in the conversation hear what you thought the person really said whilst inferring that the misunderstanding is funny. If you thought I said shut up and let me finish, you heard right. And we've absolutely loved hearing about our old friends at Replica accidentally giving digital lobotomies to the beloved avatars of their loyal customers. Congratulations to those don't praises celebrating the return of their horny avatars this week. As always, I've been one of your hosts. I go by the name Alexander Holland and I'm always sat digitally next to my number one pod penguin. He's got to be the one called... John Maloney. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget to stay Right up, and we'll see you next week. Uh, the podcast.